for listening to the dystopian legacy of Atlantis with Byron Berlitzos. Technically, was impossible for demonic possession, okay, unless pull up to about halfway through. This is the Caligastian way warfare, and we see it even now. We have a lot of te technological spinoffs from military research, Absolutely. so there's something to that. But it's just pure technology mm -hmm. without ethics, right? And that's the point. Yeah. So he's he, back in these ancient times. He's he's literally trying to foment warfare. He also resents the fact that the galactic government has sent intruders, Adam and Eve. The galactics, the ranch book calls them something else, but let's call them galactics, are, are intruding on his fiefdom. This is my planet. I've taken it over. This is his corrupt mind speaking. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to stop them. I mean, you know, we, I can't stop them from incarnating because that's done by higher forces. But I'm going to mess up their their plan. So he he actually appears to them. He has the ability to do that to Adam and Eve. He says, "Look, Adam and Eve, you're stuck here. I mean, you, you I'm stuck here, and you're stuck here. This isn't going to work, don't you see? I mean, look around you. This is all this is all warfare and primitive tribes. But these are my people. So don't mess with my people. So here's what you want to do. You want to follow me and let me tell you what to do. And we'll accelerate evolution." Yeah, there'll be conflict, but that's good. And they said, you know, absolutely no. No, we're not going to do this. So he withdraws. So then he tries a kind of a flank attack. And he gets a tribesman nearby, in a friendly tribe, to um, seduce Eve. But it took him years of dialogue with Eve to say, look, Eve, you see, this thing not working. You've got, what, 150 children here. I think it's 115 children. And we're not getting anywhere. Right? She says, well, yeah, it's pretty pretty rough. Pretty rough. Because there were tribes that were trying to fight them. They had this big wall between them and the Nogites. It's a huge wall, which we may discover. And, you know, they were trying to penetrate the defenses mm -hmm. of Eden, Eden Atlantis. So she decides to, extent, to improvise and decides to interbreed with this beautiful tribes person. And, you know, comes out of this episode realizing she'd made a mistake. So the Bible tells the story of Eve eating of the tree of, of good and evil. Well, it's, it's that she actually interbred outside the plan. Now, I'll tell you why this is not a good idea. Because if you created a bloodline outside of this restricted area, mm -hmm. that could become like uh, analogous to what the Nazis were trying to do to create a master race. Mm -hmm. What if what if she did uh, send her genes through many different uh, many different uh, suitors in that tribe, and then suddenly they had these super supermen? Mm -hmm. Then these supermen would say, "Hey, you know, we should take over." Then you'd have warfare. You'd have a master race. So the the divine plan learned from millions of previous planets is to create so many children that they spread out totally throughout the, the world evenly and, and equally. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you don't easily get a master a race. Super race so you don't speak, get a super yeah. race. So, you know, Hitler is, is pulling from ancient legends. Well, he was very much a devotee away. of the fables of Atlantis. Very much so. And so this this is part so out of this it gets a perverted notion mm -hmm. of an Aryan race, which is a master race, which is really the nodite tradition. 
that we are a, a superior race, and technically they were genetically superior. But they are, they're pre-Aryan. Aryans are much later. But still, the, the, the Aryans, so-called Aryans, are, I mean, there's really such a thing as Aryans, um, are 15,000 years later than all of us have to do. So this is why it looks, when you read the ranch book, you say, man, that's really harsh that they, you know, they, they aborted the whole plan just because Eve made one mistake and interbred. But what happened was not only did she pass her genes on and had a child whose name was Abel, she had these children, Cain and Abel, uh, but also the Nodites in that tribe, when they found out about this betrayal, mm -hmm. went to war against Eden, mm -hmm. Atlantis. They penetrated the defenses, and they wrecked the city. Okay, so what kind of what what kind of technology in that era are we talking about? Offshore uh, weapons. Mm -hmm. That I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was fairly primitive. Mm -hmm. But the Adamites were not warlike. Mm -hmm. So Adam's children and all of their followers, most of their followers, fled before the tribes overtook the island. Mm -hmm. They got out of there. So then they trans transferred their whole operation, all their cattle, everything they can. They flee, and then the Nodite tribes, these, these warlike tribes, uh, swarm over Atlanta, uh, Eden, mm -hmm. and and uh, f find um, all the uh, artifacts of a great culture, and uh, and destroy it. So we have a couple things overlaying here. Then, but the attack by the Nodites took down the civilization, then, right? Because the others had fled, and we talk about and biblically we talk about the fall. So that would be part of a biblical version of the fall. If you look at other, for lack of a better word, New Age or uh, historical revisionist texts and such on Atlantis from through the fabled Atlantis, we're talking about a time that it was a time of devolution or dissension, right? And this would all play into the same thing? Is that kind of what? Yeah, because if they had been allowed to continue to breed children and had half a million children who were pure line, super race, mm -hmm. I mean, it would have been a whole different Urant uh, earth for Urantia. We would have had this masterful genetic upgrade. Yes. And we would have had a kind of creativity, a kind of uh, humor, beauty, uh, more loving nature, more peaceful nature. So the sort of the animal traits that we all well, see Well, those to are have. the traits you, that, you, that are supposedly relegated to the earlier to, um, versions of Atlantis or the stories of the very earliest phases of Atlantis was this very, everything you're talking about, a very plentiful, sophisticated, beautiful culture that wasn't steeped in competition yeah. and yet was able to continue producing, which is interesting. If you, if you look at that, what allowed them to continue producing and evolving and perfecting without competition? Because the whole competition thing, I mean, we're learning now is a ruse. Right, well. It's it, a crack in the plan. In this version, uh, they just had to get out of the way of marauding tribes. Right. So they moved way down to the Tigris-Euphrates mouth. Okay. A long distance. From, yeah. Well, it's, it took them months to get there. And they find this area that's totally fertile, and there's a few tribes there. 
who allowed them to move in. And then the, those tribes just left because they found this incredible kind of master race. And so we've got to get out of here. So this is completely empty land, no competition for them to build their culture. And then they, you know, since Adam and Eve had already wrecked their protocol, they mm -hmm. abandoned the protocol, which was not to interbreed prematurely. Mm -hmm. It's too late now. So they interbred with with natives. Mm -hmm. And uh, secondly, they Adam and Eve were no longer immortals. Right. So this is the other part. They were supposed to be immortal right. with the tree of life, but the tree of life was did not was uh, they were unable to uh, uh, they not the tree of life continued, but they lost their connection mm -hmm. to the off planet energetic source right. because they had defaulted on the basic plan. But they lived for another many hundreds of years, and so as fast as they could, they interbred. So Adam interbred with his, and he impregnated as many women as he could in the natives around Mesopotamia, thousands. So those children, half-breeds, so to speak, become a very important kind of master race for thousands of years in that area, who then migrate north and find the Nodite tribes, who are also genetically advanced, mm -hmm. mix with them around uh, 20 to 15,000 BC, create a hybrid of the Nodites, natives, and Adamites, and that group is known as the Andites. And the Andites are the source of all these other legends. As they move to Europe, move to Asia, move to Egypt, that's what we think is the source of even the Atlantis legend mm -hmm. and all of the other myths of, of, of a primeval utopia where there's a, a two a deities, a god and a goddess, who are giving uh, civilization and who are interbreeding. All of that comes from these, these garbled legends come down in all these civilizations because of the Andite migrations. Can we assume that with the Andites started coming some of the classic characteristics of more um, sophisticated civilizations in terms of architecture, the notion of pyramids, for example, and ziggurats and the hanging gardens of Babylon? Are you saying that these Andites are responsible for these higher traits? And let's get into agriculture, too. That's what we're saying. <clears throat> Adam and Eve also taught agriculture. So all of the arts of civilization, almost all of them, that we have today emanate from this region of Mesopotamia, which is basically what academics will tell you. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is much more specific information and, and dates, and specific dates, and ar archaeological sites that we can find, that, that we're just beginning to find, like Gobekli Tepe and the, and the Sumerian sites, which are much later, but then definitely harken back to this golden right. age. And there's this divine It's credited couple. to be Atlantis. It's credited by some to be Atlantis, but, mm -hmm. but according to Sitchin, the, this mm -hmm. is Enki and mm -hmm. forget the female uh, there, well, Enkidu or whatever her name is. Uh, yeah, I just remember the brothers, Enki and Enlil. Yeah. Enlil but there, there's a, there's a divine pair. There is, I've and, and Analogous to Isis, Osiris, mm -hmm. and all the others. So, so, th so this is a genetic argument as right. well as a culture theory. Of, of an origin from Dystopian this region. legacy of Atlantis but it's, but with it's, Byron and it's going all into Asia, too. So this Andite migration, much of it goes into Europe, most of it, like 60% of it goes into Europe. It's Atlantis. Uh, but a lot of it goes north Dystopian into, into legacy the central of Atlantis with areas, Byron. 
and then from there across into Tibet, China, and and beyond. And so this is this is a, a genetically, you know, frankly, this is genetically superior people that are interbreeding, and the genetic uh, traits, the higher traits, are getting diluted. They're getting diluted. But there's this this impulse for for civilization. So this is where this notion of a regression comes in, mm -hmm. because they're they're interbreeding with lower stocks, mm -hmm. so to speak, to use genetic terminology. So they're interbreeding with lesser stocks, and and so you lose contact with Adam and Eve's violet uh, genes and characteristics and energy. Mm -hmm. Pretty much lost. However. Th there is survival of small amounts in certain groups that show up even into the current time. For example, the more adventurous traits are said to show up in the British, mm -hmm. who were the first colonizers. Mm -hmm. uh, more creative traits show up, you know, here and there in certain groups. It's it's stated that the Crete Cretan civilization it was a fairly pure line. Uh, connection. It was a migrating benign group of Andites with Nodites that just simply come across to Crete, and they start the what later became the Minoan civilization. Mm -hmm. So that goes back about twelve thousand years. I've got Crete in my DNA. And that was a really DNA. advanced civilization, way ahead of Talking what comes about my later called Greek civilization. Right. And that's that's so. Why is it going down? Rather than progressing upward, why? Well, it makes sense. It the, yeah, from the inner reading, that makes absolute sense. And you know what's interesting about all of this is we've we've gotten about as far as we can through academic studies. You can only dig so much, and especially if your history is either under the sea or maybe you know a hundred meters under the surface of the earth. So really, we are left to, in large part, to begin looking at these channeled works. We all use channeled works. It seems like we all do. Yeah. The ranch is channeled, and then there's much, much more channeled stuff in mm -hmm. the Arantia tradition now happening, and uh, I will point out, I had to mention to you, do. that Adam and Eve mm -hmm. are back. Well, it wouldn't and, surprise and, and me. And there are a lot of players here at this point in time, in cosmic <laughs> and so forth. Yeah. And channeling, and yeah. channeling, and I had a dialogue with Eve recently through a channel. Tell us about who's, that. You know, who's, who's basically saying this, that we, Adam and Eve, I, Adam and I, <laughs> are sorry that we did not do our job properly, but we have very difficult conditions. We moved to this other location and did our best in Mesopotamia. Mm -hmm. Then we- Tried again. And so now mm -hmm. we get two different, as one version of this through one channel states, several channel states, that the ET hybridization program mm -hmm. is something that Adam and Eve sponsor and approve of. Typical mother. In our own community. Other, an, another kind of line of transmitted work is, is simply saying Adam and Eve are here to bring us energetic gifts. And that's what I got in this session. Mm -hmm. I got an energy gift from etheric energy from Eve which has helped my health. So she's ministering unseen to all of us. Now, we're also told That's that beautiful. they will reincarnate again. And th this is apocryphal stuff in the Urantia community. It's not accepted by many, most actually. is stating that, that there, there will be new avatars coming as a compensation for our losses. And Adam and Eve will be back 
and a new set of avatars, I mentioned the 100, there's going to be another group like that that's coming soon. They're going to incarnate. So will we recognize them as being particularly lovely and vibrant, maybe a little tinge of violet? I don't know about a violet race, <laughs> but they will be a uh, obviously we'll want to avatars. Mate. We'll want to mate with them. We'll be. <laughs> Maybe so, because if Adam and Eve came back, it would be for mating. Yes. Um, and uh, th this is a theme that uh, that we were talking about in the last hour, which is we've had these defaults. They're called the double default mm -hmm. of Caligastia and of Adam and Eve. And there's compensations, which are these blessings that are extemporaneous, not done on other planets. Other planets don't have incarnations of the sort that, that Jesus was. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a very, very high being to incarnate. Yes. It doesn't happen, but, but yes, one in, in more than a million planets does a creator deity incarnate. He incarnated here because things were so backward and so dark that he wanted to portray the love of God for us by saying, I'll go into the worst places and I will incarnate and show myself and teach you about love and get killed, get killed. Mm -hmm. And so this is a compensation for the default of Adam and Eve and a compensation for the default of Caligastia. That is, our celestial host of the planet was dark. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is incarnating into the middle of this and being confronted by these beings. And the Bible states, you know, that he, he confronted Satan on the Mount Hermon. Mm -hmm. and, and, and also, uh, I think, Lucifer in the Bible. Can't get mixed up with the ranch book. But he, he, he ended the Lucifer Rebellion at that point. So this is the technical When ending. was that ended? It's kind of two stages of ending it. One is when Jesus incarnates and is confronted by Caligastia, Satan, and others. And he, he, he basically puts them down. Mm -hmm. And he says, look, I'm your creator. I'm your father. Mm -hmm. he goes, get, get you behind me, as it says in the Bible. And they just have to, they have to pull back. And then he technically terminates, meaning their ability to invade the minds of people, mm -hmm. you know, demonic possession with their rebel spirits. So remember, there's rebellious angels all over the place. The planet is full of rebellious spirits that are possessing souls or that are um, making people do things, actually literally whispering to people to do things that are dark, that are manipulative to build power bases. This is what these rebel spirits are doing. So they ended the possibility of that technically by cutting off all the energetic connections there mm -hmm. that people that they could make to your mind at the moment of Pentecost. So the moment of Pentecost is when this technically was impossible for demonic possession unless you, t you, you requested it. Okay, unless, yes, on a more conscious level, you brought that frequency in. Then now, I mean, my mind's kind of hopping all over as we're doing this. So let's say that that direct interface with the human mind on that demonic level was en masse ended back then, okay? Today, it shows up, and we talked about Illuminati, we talked about bloodlines, we talked about dominion, domination of the planet through all of the existing systems. Now we look at that intrusion into the mind via media and those in power and control and money to control the media and the message. And would you say that's kind of a, a nodite or nodite um, invasion or expression on the planet? 
you've got two lines going. You've got the, the line of blessing mm -hmm. and the line of, of Lucifer. So after the incarnation of Christ, the Illuminati bloodlines are still quite active in controlling things, and, and they took over the Christian religion, more or less. Yes, <clears throat> the Vatican and such. And et cetera. But, mm -hmm. but, but, but the, the pure line Illuminati have other concerns as well, which is wealth and power. Mm -hmm. However, this, this Holy Spirit outpouring, from, because Christ incarnated here, is a, a, the perfect antidote to that. So if you call upon the Holy Spirit, and, and the other powers, the spirit of truth, uh, then this is no match. The, the, the influence of Lucifer and Caligastia is no match for that. So what, the, what, the, what these Illuminati bloodlines have to do is become much more cultish mm -hmm. and to cultivate a connection to the satanic in, in much more deliberate ways in order to box in their adherence from from the influence of, of, of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And that's why they do these dissociative practices with, with, uh, with in these cults, in these satanic uh, Some cults. of this is written about, um, the book's going to be coming out in a couple of months by Barbara Handcloud called The Ruby Crystal, which goes into these darker practices that happen on the darker aspect of the goings on at the Vatican. Oh, the Vatican, yeah, probably mm -hmm. the case, and mm -hmm. certainly in many, 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 many locations. Mm -hmm. So th this, these are these are the nodes of the Illuminati where they generate Manchurian candidates, for example. Right. Um, and and so that that's how the, this is done behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. This is how you can do false flag uh, uh, operations. Exactly. You have Manchurian candidates. You have people doing assassinations. They don't even know what they're doing. Right. Um, you have somebody invades the Parliament of Canada. It's probably a Manchurian candidate. Mm -hmm. And so this this is the satan the cultivation of of this ever uh, ever more um, sort of painted into a corner now are the mm -hmm. Luciferians, but they have a lot of money. And they have a lot of influence in important places, Washington, New York. And well, they must because the average person feels, what's the point? You can't fight them. You know, the whole death and taxes and you don't have any say, you don't have any control, politics is corrupt. The average person is left feeling rather defeated as a result of that. So in this, we have some time left. How would you frame uh, our hum the human... Re the resurrection of the human spirit above and beyond all of this to essentially triumph over these darker messages, these darker feelings of hopelessness that the vast majority of people um, are encumbered with. I say, I, I say in my forthcoming book that there's uh, the double default of Adam, of Adam and Eve and Caligastro, mm -hmm. but there's a triple blessing. One of the first of the triple blessings is the incarnation of a creator being Christ. The second one is the gift of the Urantia Revelation. It's not just that book alone, but it's related texts like Course in Miracles. These are giftings to compensate for what we lost out in, in prehistory. There's all this Holy Spirit energy that's a gifting. Mm -hmm. And the, the third, so the third great gifting, the epical, is, is coming now. And this is called the correcting time. So this, this is the post-Urantia revelations. So this controversial with Urantia people. This is called the correcting time in its umbrella, but it's under it there are two big missions. 
One mission is known as the teaching mission, and the second mission is known as the magisterial mission. The teaching mission is angelic and ascended masters, angelic beings and ascended beings, ascended humans, coming back to teach. And they're teaching based on the Arantia text. So they have the textbook of the Arantia book, and they're teaching from the text. And that's going on since 1987. And I published a number of the books. Mm -hmm. Secondly is sort of the next phase of that, which, which is called, again, the magisterial mission, mm -hmm. which is a new set of avatars coming to um, teach us the really advanced things that we should already know. But um, along with that is the unconscious aspect of the correcting time. So the correcting time really, in a sense, has three parts. There's the explicit teaching mission, the explicit magisterial mission, and then there's the angelic influence being tuned up mm -hmm. on all leaders throughout the world, on all of us. They're tuning up. They're actually planting all the time ideas. And take somebody like Gorbachev is a good example. If somebody just got this idea, well, we have to reform. You know, and, and it's uh, said that he had angelic appearances, and there's a, there's a whole story about this, that he was told to do this by higher forces. And, and that sort of thing is what is, and the correcting time begins when Russia falls, when USSR falls. That's the beginning of the correcting time. So this is a clearing out, but there's a there's a there's a, a uh, an interventionist aspect of this, where these beings announce themselves, and they are transmitting ideas, and they're getting ready to incarnate. And this is much more preponderant than the power of the Illuminati, which is uh, which is reducing because there the universe, the, sort of the good guys are of, of the universe are swarming planet Earth. So that once and for all, this blight can be overcome through grace, through this blessing. And, and this is where, in our case, we need a compensation. Because particularly after 9-11, we were way on the defensive. We, sort of the good guys, were on the defensive because 9-11 gave them all the money and power they needed for the war on terror. Yes. And, and so this is when the signal went up. We need even more intervention mm -hmm. because the Illuminati could, for a time, for a couple generations, could really run this this mm -hmm. world mm -hmm. and throw in transhumanist technologies, you know, mind control, you name it, biotechnology. To because the entire population was in a trance from the trauma of it all. That's a very good time to start implanting new messages. Yeah. So in the fear, and this is what they do, yes. they, they foment conflict and in the middle of the shock of mm -hmm. this, the shock doctrine, mm -hmm. if you will, that's when they, they put their backward, their regressive right. notions of, you know, of unfettered capitalism, of, you know, dictatorships of some kind. So, so they, they shock us into submission. Right. But uh, the blessing blesses us into, into empowerment. So you've got these two forces, you know, and right now it looks like, you know, the not sure is going to win, you know, because the, the blessing is not uh, intrusive like the, uh, the, the, control, the dark the, the side. Explicit control. It's, yeah. it, it violates all laws, right. universe laws, free exactly. will, mind control, you know, all this stuff, satanic cult, I mean, that stuff is all manipulated. So it looks like you can't win because they have all the tools and all the money. So this is, this is being shown to the universe, and we're told in recent transmissions, planets all over the universe and higher worlds are watching Earth yes. to see how this drama plays out because... 
there rarely is a place like planet earth where the where the first interventions completely defaulted where the things that were supposed to happen for the building of the arts of civilization and for the genetic pool those things were were lost and diluted so then you just basically winging it so that's why these blessings and so the final big blessing and what i call the third blessing is uh, it's just ramping up and so that, that's why i feel you know it's a gift to be here to talk about about the Arantia book, which is the underlying text, but it's not the whole story in the Arantia book. Well, it sounds like with these three blessings, that is a return to what many call the golden age, although we can't expect this is going to happen overnight, over time, a return to what was called the golden age, what was uh, <clears throat> a return to what we could call the Garden of Eden or the Garden of Atlantis in its highest culture before as you say, the intermingling of not just blood, but of agendas. Well, so it's like uh, Joni Mitchell, you know, speaking, you know, singing about, we got to get back to the garden. we got to get back and to the garden. And that's what the hippies are dreaming of, getting back to this, you know, Eden utopia. Yes. And, but it's going to be in a much higher, it's going to be yes. planet-wide. Planet so people that want to go start exploring this, you say a lot of the evidence is uh, physically um, off the coast of Cyprus. That's where some of it is. And then another lore, it's still also further out to the west, out into the Atlantic, and it may be all of the above are true. Can you talk just a little bit about that archaeology? Sure. We got into the humanistic element of it. Uh, our group put together uh, two expeditions to the site, which is underwater now. So this is the land, the peninsula that joins Syria to Cyprus. And we now know from research that, and this is academic research, that this is a sunken continent. It's a small continent that's sunk one mile down. So if the Orange Book is right, there should be artifacts and walls down there, even though, you know, it's a lot of silt. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I think they said 10 miles of silt. Yes, exactly. Above it. Exactly. So, so you're not going to see too much. So you need to have special digital devices. Mm -hmm. They're called uh, uh, side scan sonars and... Mm -hmm. Um, uh, sub-bottom profilers, and th these are new things used in oil exploration. And we found artifacts that can't possibly be explained, and this was covered all over the world in 2004, 5, 6, that what looks like a, a wall that's straight that goes a mile and a half is there next to this temple mount, we call it, uh, Acropolis Hill, as Plato called it. Mm -hmm. And it's impossible to be anything but a human formation. And it's one mile down, and this is where the Orange Book said it would be. I mean, like, there exactly where it said it would be, would be uh, this wall. But now we think that the, the, the wall is not exactly this location, but this is actually a... Now, this is not as glorious sounding. We think this is a conduit of a, a sewage conduit out of the city. Yeah, I read that. <laughs> and like, and <clears throat> because it says there was a very long sewage, covered sewage conduit that went all the way out to towards Syria into the river outside the, the walls of Eden Atlantis. And this and, is through Solon's work and the various clues that were left behind by Plato. Uh, Plato, no, this now does not match Plato. This matches Urantia. Urantia, okay. Urantia said it had, had these roads, it had mm -hmm. these canals. Plato said there were canals, but Plato yes. didn't say there was a sewage, sewage canal. canal yeah. run, but it's a canal. Yeah. And so this thing is so straight, and it, it turns at a right angle. Mm -hmm. And it's where the Urantia book said these things would be. 
And so it fits. But there is some sophisticated ancient civilization down there. Something's down there. And we don't know if we can call it Atlantis, but maybe from some of those clues left behind. It's logical to associate it with the Urantia version, since that's mm -hmm. where they set it. So they call it Eden. Mm -hmm. So let's just call it Garden of Eden, Eden, which was abandoned mm -hmm. because of the war they had. Yep. And but these artifacts were had been constructed uh, for over a period of hundreds of years. Okay. So they're pretty elaborate. Yeah. So if we can get a submarine down there, then we'll have one of the oldest archaeological site in the world. Will will be excavated. Of course, it'll be underwater. And so this is what we're saying is the archaeological evidence. There's one other item if we have time. Let's go ahead. Adam and Eve were injecting their DNA into the gene pool. It is now known that there was an upgrade, significant upgrade in, in brain genetics 37,000 years ago. Yes. And this is called the microcephalin gene. This was uh, discovered by uh, very advanced geneticists at the University of Chicago. And it was very almost scandalous because uh, it, it said that certain groups got this gene and others didn't. And we know from the Rancher book that these Andites that I mentioned, who had this gene, went throughout the world and intermarried. But they didn't get into certain locations. So this research was shut down at the University of Chicago. But it was definitive and it showed that the source of this gene, a single gene which causes the brain to get bigger, mm -hmm. is a single source, a single person. 37,000 years ago in Mesopotamia. So this correlates perfectly mm -hmm. with Adam and Eve, actually a couple rather than one person. Mm -hmm. So statistically it's the same. So this is a source, this is an objective scientific corroboration of a genetic enhancement that was significant for improved cognition. So we have two pieces of scientific evidence. And this is why the History Channel picked this up uh, because you need to have some something other than channeled works. <laughs> yes, you do. I mean, uh, this is the convergence of the two right now, and I go with both. Bring it all in and let everybody make their own minds up on this. And as far as what you're talking about and this upgrade to the brain and all of the Urantia work around the various races and genetics and so forth, I think we have to mature a little bit, both emotionally and politically, before most people can really start delving in and embracing this work. It gets, uh, you know, because it becomes judgmental at face value, but there is no judgment in any of it. Uh, we're not. You're, that's a really good point, Regina, because you know, we're not really, I mean, like the Urantia thing itself has been basically shut out of the media, for sure. example. Yeah. Because either people are emotionally can't handle correct. it, or yeah. it's not politically correct, or the Illuminati are acting right. to shut it down. Right. And we know that we were under surveillance when we did the expeditions, mm -hmm. and that's a whole other story. Yes. Um, so we have to be gentle. Yes. <laughs> with putting this and, and not dogmatic and I, I try not to be I get passionate and fervent right. but we have to allow that, that we may be wrong because mm -hmm. there's so much inconsistency in these stories and that that's why again I see it as a mo doing my interviews I see is essentially creating a mosaic of various reflections both scientifically both and divinely inspired or however inspired so that people can start connecting the dots for themselves, and, and you've added a really big piece to that. There are researchers out there that are younger than us who will, Absolutely. in they're the next generation, great stuff. And they're going to, this stuff that we're putting out there, they're going to connect the dots, and, yes. and, and they're going to call us something other than ancient astronauts. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the point, to pass it on. 
Well, uh, we've been all over the map, literally, <laughs> in this conversation. And I want to thank you so much once again. Very intriguing. It's been great to be here. Thank you so much, Regina. What a pleasure. To learn more about the ancient accounts of Eden slash Atlantis, you can find the book The Discovery of Atlantis, The Startling Case for the Island of Cyprus, through any major bookseller and through evolving-souls.org. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on Gaim TV. Let's see what else they got about Atlantis. That was, let's see, Arantia. I want to play the truth about this Arantia.